and stand. Holy God, to whom all praises do, I stand in awe of you. And I stand, I stand in awe of you. Well, I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. Description to marvelous for words, to wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? And who fathom the depth of your love. You are beautiful beyond description. Majesty enthroned above. And I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? It's good to have everybody here this lovely day. Happy Mother's Day to uh, all you lovely mothers and wives that are mothers that have little kids. We appreciate you so much. As, as a husband, I can tell you, I appreciate my wife being a fantastic mom every day. That's a job I know I could never do. So thank you, mothers. We want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. It's good to have you here. I really enjoyed that song. I want to sing it again, if that's okay. Um, I stand in awe of him. Amen. Aren't you thankful for him this morning? Amen. You are beautiful beyond description. Well, to marvelous for words, to wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp? Your infinite wisdom, and who can fathom the depth of your love? You are beautiful beyond description, O majesty enthroned above, and I stand, I stand in awe. I stand in awe of you, holy God, to whom all praise is due. 
I stand in awe of you. One more time. And I stand, I stand in awe of you. Well, I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. sing, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. You know, while we were just singing that, I was thinking how excited I was and happy I am to see our brother Joe here again with us this morning. I stand in awe of Christ and what he does for us every day. Amen. It just sometimes, I don't know if we even realize when somebody is there standing, watching over us, keeping us safe, even times when we don't even know that there's trouble coming. You know, I don't know how many times my wife and I have talked that we were getting ready to go on a trip and we're 10, 15 minutes late and we're ready. I'm ready to strangle the children and we're getting ready to leave because somebody can't find their shoes or we forgot something. And we get down the road and there's an accident there and we get stopped and, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, you may have been you. And I, I stand in awe of that. Amen. Thankful for that. Amen. I need you, Lord. I need you. No, that's too high. I need you. I need you, Lord, right now. Amen. I need you. I need you, Lord, right now. I lift my hands and I bow my knees. Oh, and worship at your throne. Cause I need you, Lord. I need Right now, let's sing that again. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right. my hands and I bow my knees oh and worship at your throne I need you Lord I need you Lord right now we need you Lord Our hands and 
bow our knees oh and worship at your throne cause we need you Lord yes we need you Lord right now one more time I need you Lord aren't you thankful for I need you Lord I need you my hands and bow my knees and worship at your throne as I need you Lord as I need you Lord right now Brother Matt if you could just continue to play that softly I'm going to actually ask Brother Joe if he could come and open the service in a word of prayer. I have no uh, written prayer requests uh, in front of me, but uh, we got quite a few people missing, as you can tell on the platform. So there's folks uh, traveling. We want to remember uh, Brother Barry uh, and his family. I think Peter's leaving in the next day or two. Uh, They're going to go for a family vacation. So we want to remember Brother Barry and Sister Becky that they get... Lots of rest, lots of relaxation. Amen. Um, If you have an unspoken prayer request, make it known to the Lord. Brother Joe, if you could come. Amen. Lord, we love you this morning, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to come back in your house, Lord. Thank you for many blessings, Lord. And I should go with the ones that's traveling, the ones where they be, Lord. You should give a special touch. And, Lord, in the service this morning, God, you know what we need, Lord, more than what we know. And I should get us to help us with it, Lord, and give us give us the, the strength we need to carry on, Lord. And God, there's times we don't know what to do or how to do, Lord. And you bless us with it, God. And we do appreciate it. And anyone who's sick and needs a touch, it's just granted. We commit the service in your hands. We ask it all in your name. And amen. Amen. Let's uh, have your seats. I'm feeling like singing, traveling on. You know that one? My heavenly home is bright and fair. Brother Jeremy... Do you know that the screen isn't on? Um, My heavenly home? Yeah, that's good. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like... Thank you.
flowers the sun outshine I feel like traveling on that heavenly mansion shall be mine I feel like traveling on yes I feel like traveling on oh I feel
Thanks, Brother Matt. Let's stand. We're going to ask our ushers to come. That's a little strange when you're looking at yourself on the big monitor in the back while you're standing up here. Um, Brother Andy, if you could sit a blessing on the offering, please. Let's, uh, we're going to change the word of the service. Uh, let's sing um, Something Keeps Holding Me. And uh, we're going to invite Brother Matt uh, Watkins, which I'm really excited to have him here. It's been a long time since we've had him here, it feels like, so I'm excited to have him back. Are you guys Watkins? I thought I recognized you. I haven't seen you guys since kids' days. It feels like you guys have grown up so much. It's good to have you guys here. Um, So let's do our part to help Brother Matt. Amen. Brother Matt's been steady and getting ready, and we've got to do our part to help him by pulling on the word this morning. Amen. So let's do our part to help Brother Matt. As we invite him to come, let's sing that song. Uh, Let's start with the uh, verse. Trials of this world was getting closer. The pull I felt was more than I could bear. And I was on the verge of giving over. Strength within myself just wasn't there. Oh, something keeps holding Every day I see He's helping me faithfully To overcome my trials And guiding me constantly Giving me victory He's a reality Something keeps holding me. Now Satan laid before me his temptation and his desire to steal away my faith. But I have found the revelation the strength I need to keep me in his grace amen oh something keeps holding me every day I see he's helping me faithfully my trials guiding me constantly giving me victory he's a reality 
Something keeps holding me. Let's sing it again. Something keeps holding me. Oh, something keeps holding me. Every day I see, He's helping me faithfully to overcome my trials. Well, guiding me constantly, giving me Our hands and sing it now. Jesus is holding me. Jesus is holding me. Yes, Lord. Oh, He's helping, He's helping me faithfully to overcome my trials. Guided me constantly. holding you this morning. Amen. Amen. Only by His grace. Thank you for all the music. Amen. God bless you. Certainly a privilege to be here with you all. been a little while since we were here. And uh, you haven't changed, but the church has changed since I was here last. Looks like there's been a remodel. Amen. Looks really nice, really beautiful. Amen. Just want to uh, greet you. Amen. In the name of the Lord, bring greetings from back home. Amen. They're in Beaufort, South Carolina. And I got my two of my children here and also my niece and certainly i'm glad they were able to travel with me amen i bring greetings also from brother barry who told me to greet you amen certainly thank him for allowing us to come amen and be here with you psalms chapter 13 if you have your bible amen we'll just read a scripture Psalms chapter 13. Lord, just impress this upon my heart, and I just would like to minister to you today on when it doesn't make sense. It's my title, when it doesn't make sense. Psalms chapter 13, verse 1. How long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will, I, will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. 
Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say, I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. How many have trusted in his mercy this morning? My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let's just bow our heads here together. If you have something in need upon your heart, amen, you believe the Lord sees that. Why don't you raise a hand and just say, Lord, would you remember me this morning? Lord Jesus, we bow our hearts, Lord, before you. We're so thankful, Lord, that your presence is here. Lord, for without it, Lord Jesus, we would just have words. We would have maybe good expressions of thoughts and, Lord, and ideas. Lord, but Father, with your presence, you can move beyond our flesh. You can move beyond, Lord, our natural senses, even our spiritual senses, Lord. And you can divide asunder both body, soul, and spirit. For your word, Lord, it contacts us, Lord. It speaks to us. It communicates with us, Lord, down in that soul realm. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would deal with hearts this morning. Lord, each one that's gathered here today with a different need. Lord, I raise both of my hands. Lord, you know the need upon my heart, God. You see that represented request, Lord, behind each hand that's up. Lord, and I pray, Father, you'd come and minister to that now, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, you would do what we can't do, Father. Lord, and may you break the bread of life to your children. Bless this church. Bless Brother Barry, Lord, and his family. Lord, this morning we ask, Lord, for each and every single need that's presented here, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. How long? Let's just look. keep our place there in Psalms chapter 13, and I'm going to refer back to it uh, in a few different places here. But David begins to cry this out in Psalms chapter 13. And now remember that this is what the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. And we notice that even in Psalms chapter 13, David begins to cry his prayer, his plea unto the Lord. And he says here, let's just cover it one more time. He says here in verse 1, How long will thou forget me, O Lord, forever? And he begins to say, uh, Are you going to hide from me, Lord, forever? And, and no doubt this is a cry of David's heart that over something that he's uh, maybe confused about. And he says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. What is so powerful about this psalm is that I can relate, I'm sure that you can here today, Many times you've came before the Lord in this way that David does, and he begins to just pour his heart out to God, and and he no and there's no uh, 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 no way to, to to say it any other way than David is David is saying, Lord, you've forgotten me. How have you forgotten me, Lord? I've cried out to you. I've prayed unto you. I've, and, and no doubt for us, even in our own life, many times we approach the throne of God and we come very needy. How many sometimes just feel, Lord, I'm just so needy. I need you so much. I'm, if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm delivered today, uh, the next week I'll need something else from you, Lord. 
And I'm always uh, approaching the throne of God and, 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 and asking God for something in my life because our life is always in a, it's always in a growth. It's always in a transition. You're always facing new challenges. You're always going to face new challenges and challenges are good for you. And so there's different seasons in your life and you come to God and David begins to say some of these dark words and you, you, you almost sounds like, you know, this dark, gloomy, uh, depression that David's in saying, Lord, how long I've cried unto you and I've prayed and I've out of the depths of my soul. Are you just going to forget me? But I want you to notice that David never stops his prayer with a negative, doomy, gloomy, uh, reply, uh, uh, petition to God. But even after he has poured his heart out to God, saying, how long will you forget me? Consider and hear me. You notice verse 5. But, that's a big word. And you ought to remember that when you're ever seeking the Lord in your life, that no matter how low you feel, or no matter how much you feel like God has forgotten you, or God has forsaken you, David always turns back and begins to praise the Lord and say, but I have trusted in your mercy. I may not understand, and I may be facing a big burden, a big load, but here's what I'm going to confess. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. He says in verse 6, I will sing unto the Lord because thou, he hath dealt bountifully with me. And David begins to remind himself that in spite of everything he doesn't understand, there is still an everlasting truth that never changes in spite of David's life. It's out of the depths of his heart, and I want to just deal with this here for a moment. He repeats this cry and he says, how long? You know, that's a, that's a, a, a question I've asked many times in my life. I've asked the Lord that many times. I'm sure you have asked the same question. How long, Lord? I've, I've sought you. I've asked you. I've petitioned you. I've prayed for your will. I've looked for your direction. I've had this need in my life. And, and then David puts this into words as we would all express it to the Lord. How long, Lord? I know you're going to do it. I'm still believing your promise, but how long, Lord? You remember the Apostle Paul says, I sought the Lord three times over my own condition. What was it? It was a continual coming to the Lord. Uh, even the Apostle Paul didn't have his prayer answered the first time he asked the Lord. And he says, I sought you thrice. I asked the Lord, will you take this from me? And there's no, now notice, I want you to, to look here because many times in David's life, some of the, the, some of the, uh, the negative that he was expressing was brought on by his own sin. You remember in Psalms 51 when David begins to cry out to the Lord and he begins to repent unto God. And then David begins to tell how his, his bones, he said, my bones hurt and I cried. My, my couch became wet with my tears. But notice, this wasn't, this was because David had sinned. And many times sin leads us to, uh, uh, places in our life to where we have no other choice but to look up to God. But there's, there's no sin here. There is, there is, there is no reason this, this need that David is expressing to the Lord. There's nothing that, that indicate from these verses that David has sinned. But yet his enemy was out to get him. His enemy was attacking him. 
And we know the story, and we don't want to, we, we won't go too far in it today, but we know that David eventually, after all, after this period in David's life, he, he, he goes into a cave of Adullam, and he's confused, and he's wondering what, what's going to happen to his life. He's being chased by a man who he had saved and spared his life, and now that same man's trying to kill him. And David finally comes to a cave, and he says, Lord, uh, are you just going to forget me forever? How long, Lord? I've cried unto you. Are, are, are you going to forget me? He says that. Notice here in verse, it's so to me it's just so raw. You see such a raw side of a human being that, that was a man after God's own heart. And David begins to say, how long will you forget me? He says in verse 1, oh Lord, forever? Is it going to be forever, Lord? Will it just go on? How? How long will thou hide thy face from me? He says in verse 2, How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? The enemy's after him, and after repeated prayers, God seems unavailable. He seems despondent that he's just not listening. He doesn't hear. I'm preaching today on when it doesn't make sense. And I'm telling you, this is a time in David's life when it's just not making sense. God's unavailable. I've called you. I've called upon your name. I've sought you. And you've just forgotten me. Lord, how long? You're just unavailable. Have you ever been there? So desperate to reach out, to call out to God, but it just seems like God is on a vacation somewhere and He's not listening. And you try and you attempt and you try and you know that gets so frustrating to us. You ever tried to reach someone over and over and over and over and you just can't reach them? And you pay the cell phone bill? And you're asking, why can't I reach you? I pay your phone bill. I pay it so I can reach you when I call you. Why aren't you answering my calls? Well, my ringer was off. Well, turn your ringer on. (laughs) You know how frustrating that is? And it just seems like someone is unavailable. And you tried and you attempted and you reached out and you reached out. And it just seems like forever they're just unavailable. Psalms 13 tells you that God can sometimes seem unavailable. It was unavailable to David. He couldn't understand. It's as, it's, it's as if God had hidden himself and it was filling to David like it was just going to last forever. You know, it's always sometimes it seems like that. Uh, some of the most intense parts of a trial or the waiting period to where it seems like nothing is happening. And and, and David begins to say this, as we said, he's being pursued by Saul. And David is running, he's on the run, he has a lot of time to think. There's a lot of time on his hands and running in the wilderness of Judah. And and, and all all he had was just a few men a few good men that were there and just daily provisions and they were constantly keeping watch and keeping guard. It, was, it wasn't making any sense. You know, you look at the life, and we're going to touch on it here for a morning, uh, for, for a minute this morning. You look at the life of Joseph. It, it, 
It didn't make from the moment that Joseph is born and his life starts to go into a direction. And this, here's this Jacob, his father, and he, and, he, and he gives him this code. And then Joseph has this dream and he has this vision of what God's going to bring him to. But you know what's so amazing is that his life so quickly turns and takes a corner from what he expected and what he was promised and what the vision spoke about him. To where he's, he's he, you look at the moment from Joseph's life when he has a dream and he has a vision. God, God gives him this dream. But now he finds himself in the bottom of the earth in a pit looking out of the darkness into just a little tiny light at the top being thrown into a pit. You know what? It didn't make much sense to Joseph. How, Lord, I see the promise, I've seen the vision, I've seen the dream, I've seen what you're going to bring me to, but, but my reality is I'm in a pit, I'm, I, I, I'm being sold to Midianites. I'm, I, I don't know what my future is going to hold. It seems so clear, but so quickly it just turned around just like that, and it didn't make sense to Joseph. How could you make sense out of a man like Job? How could Job make sense out of his life? When word comes in that your daughter and your sons who you've prayed about every day of your life, Job would wake up in the morning, he'd make a sacrifice for his children. And now those children, a tornado has came and destroyed the house. And Job, all of your children are dead. Could you imagine trying humanly to rationalize or to reason what you thought that you knew about God And the reality that you're living right now. It didn't make sense to him. It didn't make sense to David from the moment David is is anointed. And you you imagine just as a little shepherd boy, as Samuel anoints him. And and, and, and here's this this prophet of God. And he's pouring oil down David's hair. On his head and it's dripping down his face and in his beard and down his clothes. No doubt as David stood there and he he looks around and he's asking, Me, Lord? Are you sure you've made the right choice? Are you sure you've made you are you sure that you've seen me for who I really am? Lord, I'm really nothing. And God's anointed you, David. This is God's anointed. He's going to be king of all of Israel. And here's God's anointed. And David, no doubt, is asking his own, having his own fears of, Lord, I know I might look good on Sunday, but have you seen me on Monday? I might, I might look good here, but have you, have you seen the, the weakest parts of me? Have you seen my most weakest moments? And have you seen my inabilities? Lord, are you sure you've made the right choice? And now that God who has anointed him through a prophet... And he's in that anointed position and he sees the vision for his life. And God starts a work in his life. He calls him and, and, and something begins to awaken, awaken inside of David as he can see the vision that God has positioned him for and has called him for. But then suddenly it, it just doesn't turn out the way that the story should have went. Because from that anointing, from the dream... From what God has spoken now, but now the reality you're facing is an anointed man who's seen the vision of God for his life. And he's running 
for his life. It's not making sense, Lord. You said, you promised. It's not making sense. How, how, how could this be the hand of God? How could it be? And David, no doubt, begins to question this. And, and, and hours, minutes turn into hours. And hours turn into days. Days turns into weeks and months. And it just drags out waiting for God to, to move. I've seen what you've said. You've anointed me. But when, Lord? How long? Ever felt that way? You ever feel like sometimes it just feels like God moves so slow? (laughs) In this rapid age we live in, man. But you know what? Sometimes it seems like God just moves so slow. You know, Brother Brandon made a statement. He said, the Holy Spirit isn't hasty, so don't be hasty. The Holy Spirit doesn't move fast. He doesn't, he's not hasty, so don't let the devil get you in a hurry. Wait, because God does all things perfect in His timing. Hurry, 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 but God says, wait, wait, wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And you know, no, no doubt if you look at the, the way that our timetable of how we act and how God, you know, we deal in years and we deal in months and years and God deals in millenniums. You see how God looks at time so much different than us? God, we look at days and months and years and God deals in generations. And we think in seconds and what's going to happen next tomorrow. And God, God thinks in ages. And, 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 and time is completely different. But, but here's what's beautiful is that He's in it all. He's in every moment. He's in every second. He's in every hour. He's in every year. Every moment of your life God is working. And you may not see the evidence of His hand at work in your life, but you can rest assured God is always working on His program. How long, Lord? Forever? David says, how long will you forget me? Forever? You know the story, as we said, of Joseph as he's given the dream. And and you, you notice... God has Joseph. He's going to be in a great position of influence. And we know the whole entire plan of God through, through what God is going to do through Joseph. But Joseph comes to a place in his life where God wants him in this great position of influence. But how, how are you going to get me there? Lord, you've seen, Joseph could say, I, I see the vision, I see the dream. But how do I get from point A to point B? How are you going to bring me to that position, Joseph? First, first, God says, and I want you to look at Joseph's life. And, and I don't, if we, could, if we could have a timetable here. I'm going to use this pulpit as just a timeline. Of David, of Joseph's vision, he's here. And he has a dream. His dad, you know the, the, the story of his life. He has this dream and then he begins to get persecuted by his brothers. And then somewhere over here in Joseph's life, He's sold into slavery. That his brothers are conspiring to kill him. They just want to wipe him out. And Reuben inter, intervenes and 
intercedes for him, and, 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 and then they sell him. Rather than killing him, they sell him into slavery. So sometime around here, he's sold into slavery, sold, sold to the Midianites, and then sometime in here, they sell him to Egypt. And then somewhere in that journey, he finds himself working for an Egyptian leader, and God begins to bless his life, and he finds himself in Potiphar's house, and then somewhere over here. Now, now over here... At the end, on this spot over here, he's the ruler of all of Egypt. Over here is the fulfillment of the dream. Over here is everything God wants to bring him to. Over here is the fulfillment of everything, all of his expectation and everything he's believed is here. The starting point is here from the dream and here's the, here's the throne. But it's what happens in the middle that gives Joseph so much trouble. It's not where you're starting me, Lord, or where you're bringing me to, but it's what's happening right now. And first, you're going to be sold into slavery. Joseph, i got to bring you to a spot, but first, you're going to be sold into slavery by your brothers. You know, rejection is a very difficult human emotion to process. It's much more difficult when it's your friends. It's much more difficult when it's your family. And Joseph is rejected by his own brothers as a teenager. As just a teenage boy. When he had his whole life ahead of him. He's going to be sold. Somewhere around here you're going to be sold, Joseph. And, and, and you're going to be hauled off away from your family Away from everything you know. You're not going to know where you're going, but you're hauled off to a foreign land. And then somewhere in here, I'm going to have you falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And he's going to throw you into prison. And unlike most prison, uh, uh, unlike most people who go to prison, they know the time frame that they're going to be there. They know how many years they're going to serve, but Joseph isn't told one. He isn't told how long you're going to be there. In fact, he isn't told if he's ever going to come out. Life just seems over. He has no, no, no answers. You're going to be thrown into prison. And a long time, a long, long period of time, we know at least two years, go by. And I, I can tell you that every day, Joseph is praying fervently, God, you're going to get me out of here, Lord. What happened, Lord? He's praying like David, how long, Lord? What's going on? What's happening, Lord? What did I do? How could this have happened? Where did I, where did I go wrong? And he starts to calculate all the steps of his life, much just like me and you. When calamity happens and we begin to question everything. And did I ever, did I ever even hear from God? Uh, am I even a son of God? Am I even a daughter of God? Am I even born again? I don't even know anymore. I, Lord, I, what's happened? Where did I go wrong? What, where, what turn did I, what choice did I make? And you start to uh, count for your entire life. I shouldn't have done this. Well, we should have never did this with the kids. And, you know, we should have never did that. We should have never moved here. We should have never, you should have never let this person in. You should have never, and you start questioning. Ever done that before? Should have never done this. And oh, if I would have just done this, it would have been so different. 
And what we fail to realize is that the same God who's at the beginning and the same God who's at the end is the same God who's in all of the middle. And Joseph, you're going to be sold, then you're going to go into prison, then it's going to seem like forever, and he's praying, he's asking God, will you get me out of here? Finally, there comes a chance, and he interprets a dream for uh, two fellas in prison, two inmates, and, and to the one man is the king's cup bearer, bearer, and he's released from prison, and Joseph says, don't forget me, when you get out of there, uh, I want you to, I want you to remember Joseph actually says that. He says, remember to get me out of here. Oh, I'll remember. Don't worry, I'll remember. You know what happened? He forgot. And then time just keeps going. Genesis 41, 1. I want you to read this with me. Genesis 41, 1. I want you to notice how this reads here. Now it happened at the end of two full years. In other words, understand. I want you to think just for a moment, two years. Put yourself two years ago from today's date. Put yourself Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Put yourself in Mother's Day two years ago. The amount of time that goes by, it happens at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. Two years! Joseph is in prison. The Bible doesn't say, it doesn't give us the ins and outs. There's no narrated tale of every day that he wakes up in his life. But it's just moment, this season to where God almost goes completely silent. And he doesn't speak. You don't read anything. You read very little. You, you get the highlights of, the, of, of his time in prison. But you don't know what he's thinking. You don't know what is going on in his mind. Two years. Two years. Then Pharaoh has a dream. God, you couldn't have given Pharaoh a dream sooner. <laughs> he had to wait two years that he finally has a dream. And then then the ball can start rolling again. Two years. And then there's this long waiting period. He spends the better part of his 20s in prison. Sold as a teenager in prison in his 20s. Imagine this. Sold as a slave. So most of his youth, he's either a slave or a prisoner. Now, how does that make sense from the moment that God gives him this dream and everything God's going to perform in his life? Take the Apostle Paul. We could could use a hundred different examples just to save time this morning. You think of this even as David from the moment, as we said, from the moment that he's anointed as, as a, as a, uh, he starts off with such, such potential and the Holy Spirit comes upon David's life. 
He's defeating a lion. He's defeating the bear. And, and, and then, then here's this Philistine, Goliath. All of, all of the way that it starts, all of the power of God, all of the move of the Spirit of God in David's life, it just looked like it was just going to keep going and going and going. And to the throne, but then you have this large space in the middle from the time that God is using him and performing in his life, and then suddenly God just... And there's no words, there's no speaking, there's just silence. You know what happens? David begins to lose confidence. He begins to, he begins to, to try to guide his own life. He begins to carve out as we do. We, we begin to try to carve out a way of, with our own hands rather than waiting on the Lord, rather than learning in the silence. We begin to work out and David begins to try to make it work. He's just got to do the best that he can. I'm, I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to have to use my own wisdom that God has given me and I'm going to resolve all my own problems. And we know the story in 1 Samuel that David, David says, he says, uh, let's just look, 1 Samuel 27, verse 1. I'm just going to read it to you. 1 Samuel 27. And David said in his heart, notice, David said in his heart, I want, I want you to look at that. And David, 1 Samuel 27, and David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines and Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. This is what a man is very prone to do when he doesn't hear clearly from the Lord. Notice what he says. Notice the very first words in verse 1. And David said in his heart. It doesn't say, and God said to David. It doesn't say the Lord moved upon David's heart. It doesn't say, David, God spoke to David. But David said within his heart, I wonder how many things that we do that we've said in our own heart that we never had an unction or a move from the Holy Spirit to do. But because we're trying to figure it out and we're trying to make it work and make it happen. And we don't understand. And so David says, it's not nothing better for me. God never said that, David. And you know what happens as a result of that story? He goes down into Ziklag and he almost loses his wife and his children and all of his men's wives and children. Thank God God does a mighty miracle and restores it all back. And we know that story. But look at the result of what happens when David gets to this place to where he just tries to figure it out on his own. And he goes and dwells in Ziklag with a Philistine. And he's hiding his identity. doesn't even want anybody to know who he is. He's settling for a town, for a village called Ziklag. He settles. David, hold on. What about, what about the promise that God? I know. I, I, hey, I get it. I, all that, but you got to understand. I still got to live. I understand. I, I know what God's word said, but I still got to live day by day. 
I mean, come on, cut me some slack here. I, I still have to live life. I, I believe the promise. David, what about the anointing that God put him on your life? Don't you know how important it is when God anoints you? He's anointing you for a purpose. Wait on the Lord. Be patient with God, David. Just serve Him. Keep your head up. Keep confessing the Word of God. Believe, have faith that the one who made the promise is able to keep the promise. Don't you realize, David, God is bound? Do you know that God is bound to His Word? That's why Brother Adam preaches proving His Word. And the prophet of God says, God is duty bound to keep His own Word, what He's promised. Don't you ever question it. Don't you ever doubt it. You put the onus back on God and say, Lord, it's Your Word. It's not my Word. You've got to keep what You promised. What about all that, David? And you know what David ends up doing? He ends up settling for a village when God wanted to give him the kingdom. He settles for a little town. A little town in hiding. Thank God he encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's what the Bible says he had to do at the end of himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He went back to the Word of God. He began to quote the Word of God. He began to... It didn't make any sense at all. Doesn't doesn't make any sense, David. It doesn't make any sense. Your wife and your children and everybody's everybody's dead for all David knows. You know what David does, though? In the midst of all of that, David just begins to encourage himself in the Lord. And encourage himself in the Lord. What inspiration do you got, David? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to encourage myself in the Lord. And you know what eventually happens? God begins to speak. God begins to move. What's happening? God, David says, how long will you forget me? Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Joseph could say at that moment, Lord, I don't understand from this point here to this point here. And God, God sees all of it. And God says, David... Alright, Joseph, I know what I've got to bring you to. And about right here, because all you see, all we see in life is the day that's in front of us. And all we see is the challenge we face right now. What about here? But all I see is right here. And all I see is the difficulty, the impossibility. All I can see is the prison walls. All I can see is day by day, it seems like the Lord has forgotten me. And God says, yeah, I know. Because God sees from up here. And God says, I'm going to bring you to that, but before I get you there, you see, David, you need to realize that the secret is not what happens at the dream and the vision and the promise. The secret is not the fulfillment of that, but the secret is actually what happens in the middle. It's what takes place in the middle when it doesn't make sense that brings you to this spot of fulfillment where I want to bring you to. And in order to get you there, you've got to go through all of this first. In order to bring you to the spot, I promise, I've got to get you through all of the middle, Joseph. When it doesn't seem like God is speaking, Job, it didn't feel like it to Job either. You imagine in Job's life, there was a man who eschewed God, feared, feared God, and eschewed evil. 
And his entire life was dedicated unto the Lord, made a sacrifice for his children every single day. But now he gets word, your family's dead, your wife, uh, your, your children, and now his wife's telling him just, just to forsake God. And you know, Job goes his entire life, he's, 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 you go through the entire story of Job and through every single one of his so-called friends and counselors and go through all of the things that they had to say and through everything that Job goes through all the way through the book of Job. And you know what you have at the end of Job? You have a conversation that happens between God and the devil. And Job sees one side of his life. All Job sees is every day that he lives. He doesn't know that in another dimension, in another dimension, in another world, his name has came up before the throne. Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in all of the earth? Now God doesn't, God doesn't after that conversation, God doesn't descend down and say, Hey Job, I gotta, wake up buddy, I gotta tell you about something. There was a challenge. There was a challenge the devil made. That the only reason that, 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 that my children serve me is just because I hedge them and, and I protect them and I put my arms around Because of everything I do for them, Job. There's been a challenge that the devil has said the only reason that they serve me is because of what they get out of it. So, Job, I'm going to take you through a test, through a trial. You're going to lose everything. And it's going to be to prove a point to the devil. God never tells Job that. He never loops him in. He just lets Job live. And you know what you find is you come all the way to the end of Job's life. And God never answers. His entire human existence, mortal life, he never gets the answer. Here's his testimony. I know my Redeemer liveth. And though the skin worms destroy my body, I shall see Him. That was Job's testimony. God came and worked on Job. But God never, it never makes sense to Job. Why did it happen? It never, in his entire lifetime, he goes his entire life with that question unanswered. But you know what, Brother Brandon picks that up in, in The Mighty Conqueror. And the prophet of God says, when Jesus descends into the lower parts of the earth, and he says, and he comes there, and he, and he knocks on the door of paradise. And Brother Adam dramatizes, he says, he, just, he says, Abraham heard a little knock on the door. And he says, there he is with Sarah. And he says, no doubt, you know, he says, honey, who's that? At, did, did you hear that? And she says, Who, who's at the door? Go see. And Brother Adam says, here, Abraham comes. And he comes to the door, and he opens the door. And, and, and the, you, you can just see the... The, the exhilaration, the, the euphoria that Abraham begins, his eyes get larger and larger. And he's looking and he says, Sarah, 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 you gotta, you gotta come see, you gotta come see this, Sarah. And the Bible says, uh, Brother Branham says that, that Abraham looks and says, this is the one who met me under the tree that day. This is the one that spoke to me. And Brother Branham says, then Job, Job stands up and says, I know my Redeemer liveth, and I shall see Him. And the prophet of God says there was the fulfillment of everything Job believed was now standing in front of him. You say, Brother Matt, what about his life? His life, he went to the grave believing. Prophet of God says you go, those saints go to, the, go to the ground in faith, believing in Jesus. He says they'll come up with that same exact faith. 
And he says, here was Ezekiel. And Ezekiel says, there's the will in the middle of the will. Here's Job. Here's Abraham. All identifying. Here's Sarah. Here's all of the saints of God identifying. That's him. That's who spoke to me in my life. And Brother Branham says, then Jesus says, yes, it is me. I'm the one, Abraham, who met you under the oak tree. I'm the one, Job, who spoke to you and gave you a revelation down inside your heart that no matter what you go through and no matter what happens in your your entire life, Job, you may never understand it on this side, but it'll make sense on the other side, Job. And the prophet of God says, who was he? Notice what he was. He was something different to every single person. He wasn't the same one to Abraham that he was to Job. He was someone different to Ezekiel. He was someone different to Sarah. But whoever he was, it was the same Jesus Oh, my brother and my sister, when I see him on that day, and when you see him on that day, he may be someone different to you than he is me, but it's still the same God. And I can say there's the God who spoke to me when it was I was at my lowest moment. There was the God who encouraged me and spoke to me and healed me and healed me in my body and my spirit. It'll be the same one. And Brother Branham said, and Jesus will say, yes, brothers, it is me. Yes, it is me. Job couldn't understand. You know, I know you've heard this many times. You think of of when, I, I was just reading it just the other day, of God's prophet when he begins to be spoken to by the devil. And he's, he's buried his wife and now his little baby. And Brother Branham says there, he says the devil began to, begin to whisper. And he says, look at you. Look at your life. What have you done? You've given your whole life to the gospel. And he says, all your friends. He says, where's your friends? They've all forsaken you. They all think you're crazy. Every single one of them. He says, what have you done? But what have you done in your life? You've given your entire life to Jesus. You've given Him everything. You've, you've sold yourself out. You've went from, you've lost everything in this world. And Brother Branham says, he began to reason with me. And he says, and everything he said was true. He says, everything he said was true. You've, you've forsaken it all. And what do you have? What do you have to show for it? Your friends have forsaken you. You've watched God Raise the dead. You've watched God open blind eyes in your meetings. But when it comes to your baby, when it comes to your baby, he won't even heal her. And Brother Random says it was almost like a black sheet just, just dropped in front of him as if to say, shut up, I don't even want to hear you. Brother Random says, he says, I begin to reason with that voice. And he says, everything he said was true. You know what? It wasn't making much sense. How could God bring you to such a low place? How, 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 how could he have forsaken you like this? How could he just forget you after everything you've done for him? You've given your entire life to him. You've preached. You've ministered. The doors have been closed. No, you have no friends left. Your family thinks you're crazy. And now when it comes to your own baby, he won't even hear you. And Brother Branham says, all the things he said was true. And he says, I was just about to say, if you won't heal my baby, 
You know what was happening at that moment? Here was a servant of God who had heard from God, who had spoken to God, had heard from God in a very special way. But in that moment, it just wasn't making sense. And in his own humanity, in his own human spirit, he begins to raise up and say, if you won't heal my baby, then I won't serve you. And Brother Branham says, just as I was just about to speak, humanly, as he was just about to speak, he said, but then something deep down within, he said, something way down on the inside of the inside grabbed a hold of me. And he said, and I spoke and said, the Lord God giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. At the darkest moment, when he was so confused, David was so confused. Job was so confused. Joseph so confused. Look here as we close. I want you to turn to the book of Exodus. We're going to close on this. Exodus chapter 33. We'll just begin reading here at Exodus 33 verse 10. Verse 11. And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face. As a man speaketh unto his friend. What a relationship. He spoke to him face to face. Now that's going to be important here in just a moment. Verse 11, The Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of the young, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, Now I want you to notice this relationship that Moses has with the Lord. It's a face to face. As a friend speaketh unto a friend. So he's having a conversation just as I would have with, out in the parking lot with you today. Maybe as a son would go to his father and, his, and he would say, what's on your heart? You know, what's bothering you? And, and the, the son could just immediately say, Dad, well, uh, here's what's going on. See, see, you ever started a conversation that way? And I, I've been asked, you know, what's, what's bothering you? You know, what's on your heart? What's... What's, what's troubling you? <laughs> and you begin, well see, well, see, here's the problem. You know, this is exactly how Moses begins his conversation with the Lord. Look at verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, see, he's going to begin to cry out, see, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, I pray thee, if I have found... Hold on a minute, Moses, just a moment. I just read that your relationship with the Lord as as a friend to a friend, as a man speaks face to face, and you're questioning God... You're questioning the Lord, Moses? Hold on just a second, Moses. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't say that I speak to the Lord face to face as I speak to my friend. But God God had this kind of relationship with this man. So close. Brother Brandon was so close to the pillar of fire, so close to the presence of the Lord. So close to that angel, yet even at his weakest moment 
in his humanity could almost turn his back on God completely. And here's Moses. Lord, see, you've said, you've said you're going to send me. You said unto me, bring up this people. You know what I would have said if God told me to do that? I would have said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely, sir. Moses says, see, Lord, you've not even shown me. Notice. And thou hast said, I know thee by name. Thou hast found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight. What do you mean, if, Moses? What are you talking about? What do you mean, if you found grace? God said to you, lip to ear, you have found grace in my sight. Moses, I know thee by name. How is there a conversation after that? But in his own humanity, he's questioning, he's wondering, he doesn't understand, it doesn't make sense. He's asking God, what's, I, I don't understand, you've told me, uh, if, and now therefore I pray, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee. Look at verse 13, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And now God is going to reply, after everything Moses has said, now here's God, he's going to give him his reply. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And then we raise our hands, and we say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I just heard straight from God. And we go out of the building, but not Moses. No, he just keeps going on and on and on. And he said, if thy presence go not with me, Carry us not up hence. You know what Moses is doing? It's not that he's doubting the Word. Oh, I hope so bad if you didn't hear anything I said today, you hear this. It's not that he's an unbeliever. It's not that he's a make-believer. And it's not that you're an unbeliever. You're a make-believer. Moses is a real believer. He's not questioning. He's not doubting God. He's not asking upon what authority. He's a believer in the Word of God. I want you to understand. He's not questioning the Word. He's not questioning God. He's questioning Moses. Are you sure, Lord? I want to make sure you heard me. In case you didn't hear me the first time, I'll say it the second time. And in case you didn't hear me then, Lord, I'm going to repeat it the third time. I want you to understand, Lord, you've told me to send this people, but you've not even shown me who's going to go. Are you really counting on me, Lord? I hope you know. Now, just let's just be clear about this, Lord. Right, do you know who I am? Are you positive? You've not even told me who's going to go with me, Moses. My presence shall go. That doesn't matter. I, okay, God, that sounds good. I believe it, Lord. But, but let me just tell you to be clear, if your presence does doesn't go with me. Lord, then don't even send me. You can't even, don't, don't, how will this people even know that I'm called? Won't it be? Notice what he says here. For wherein shall it be known, verse 16, that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? And he just goes around and around and around and around. And you know what God keeps doing? God just keeps reaffirming his word. God keeps speaking his word. God keeps telling you, you found grace in my sight, Moses. My presence is going to go before thee, Moses. And God just keeps on. And God just keeps on. You know why? You know what you don't read? You don't read that God speaks to Moses and then Moses questions him. And then God says, all right, Moses, since you questioned me, I'm going to tell you, you found grace in my sight. 
And then Moses questions him a second time. You know what you don't read? You don't read that God goes, you know what? Just never mind. Just, my goodness, forget it. Just forget I ever said anything. You know what? You know what, Moses, if you can't believe after I've spoken to you face to face as a friend to a friend, after I've affirmed my word, you know what, Moses, I'll just find somebody else. How many times are you going to doubt? My goodness, Moses. You know what? If it's just not enough for you, then you know what? We're, we're done. We're, we're finished. You know what? Never mind. You know what? You don't read that in your Bible. You know why you don't read that in your Bible? Because the same reason that God comes to you and after no matter how many times Moses continues to question himself, God keeps reaffirming his word. God keeps just pouring it on him. And God could say it doesn't matter, Moses. It doesn't matter how many times you question it. It doesn't matter how many times. You know why God doesn't say that? Because God doesn't deal with you that way. God says it doesn't matter how many times you've been at this altar. It doesn't matter how many times you've been at this prayer line, no matter how many times I've told you and I've preached it and I've preached it to you and you accept it, then you go out and doubt it. You know what God does? He just preaches it again. And when you doubt it the next time, you know what He does? He just tells you all over again. And when you can't have no faith, God just keeps pouring it on and pouring it on. You say, Lord, how long are you going to strive with me? I'm going to keep on preaching until you believe it for yourself, Moses. I'm never going to give up on you. I'm never going to quit. I'm never going to stop telling you. I want you to get this clear in your mind, Moses. You may quit on me, but I'm never going to quit on you. I'm never going to give up on you. I'm going to keep on telling you until your faith accepts what I've told you. Notice what he says here in verse 16. For wherein shall it be known here that I and that people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest up with us? Now notice, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. You know what you just read? You did not read the poetic license of Moses. You didn't even read the thoughts of Moses. Actually, what you just read is Moses quoting Scripture back to God. Because when Moses says in verse 16, Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Moses didn't say that. You know who said that? Jehovah. And now he's requoting the words because God had said, I've chosen you above all the people and above all nations and above all tongues. I've separated you unto myself. I've separated you as a peculiar treasure from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. You know what Moses is doing? Moses is now quoting the word of God back to the one who wrote it. He's quoting the word back to God. Why? Because Moses knows you can't really trust his word. His, Moses' word could be one day here and, and the next day it can be something totally different. But God's word never changes. He never has a different thought. Brother Branham says he never has a different thought about his word. What he spoke is what he means and it will always be true. And you can count on it. You can depend upon it. Because he's bound to his own word. 
And so Moses begins to quote the word of God back to God. That's exactly what you remember the story. I don't want to take time to read it. You remember the story of Jehoshaphat when Jehoshaphat's faced by a great uh, army of five different nations. And Jehoshaphat brings all of the people and all of the little ones. You remember that story. And he, he begins to quote the scripture and he says, Lord, uh, this is thy house. And when thy people who are called by thy name, and when we come to this house and we cry, then thou will hear and thou will help. And Jehoshaphat begins to quote the word of God back to God in his desperate moment. He begins to say, Lord, now you said, this is what you said, Lord. I didn't say this, Lord. This is your word. Now I'm faced with a great enemy. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. And I'm going to begin to quote the promises of God because I believe they're true. And I believe you keep your word. And I believe you keep your promises. You're a promise keeper. You're a man of your word, Lord. I might have failed you many times and might not have kept my word. But Lord, here's what your word has said. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Though a host should encamp against me, I will not fear. And this will I be confident. What is he doing? He's quoting the word back to God. He's quoting the promises. And as he quotes the word of God, God hears that word. And God honors his own word. And the Bible says a prophet comes before Jehoshaphat and says, Oh, Jerusalem, all of Judah, hear ye the word of the Lord. Don't you, you shall not fight, nor you shall you take weapons, for the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And you know what Jehoshaphat does when he goes to battle? Jehoshaphat stops. Now there's no weapons, there's only musicians. And Jehoshaphat quotes the words of the prophet. And he says, for the battle is not yours. What's he doing? He's now quoting the words of the prophet that God had anointed and God had spoken through. And now Jehoshaphat begins to tell the people, before you go to battle, before we ever, before we ever uh, march the first, take the first step, I want to tell you, believe in God's prophets, so shall you prosper. Believe in God. Show you, shall you, shall you be established? What's he doing? He's quoting the word of God back to the people because the faith is not going to be in themselves or their ability or their faithfulness. Their, their faith should be in one thing that God promised it. He'll perform it. God said it. He will do it. I'll stand upon it. It doesn't matter what's in the middle. It doesn't matter what I don't see or what I do see. It doesn't matter what difficulty I face. I've got a promise. He'll bring me to the finish line. And it doesn't matter what happens because it's actually what happens in the middle that gives me the character to come to where God has placed me. And you know what you ought to do sometimes? You ought to quote the Word of God back to the Word of back to God. You ought to say, Lord, this is your promise. This isn't mine. This is your word. There's only, Lord, Moses says, so. Notice what he says here. It's not, is it not, verse 16. So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said, I will do this thing. Also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight. 
and I know thee by name. And you know where his confidence came? It wasn't in Moses. Moses was simply making sure, God, you've got to keep your word. Because it's your promise, Lord. It's your promise. It's not mine. And you've spoken, and I'll hold on to that promise. No matter what I see in the middle, no matter what difficulty, what prison I face, what slavery I face, no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to keep quoting the Word back to God. Even though David had gotten so dark, he could say, Have you forgotten me? How long will you forget me, O Lord? Forever, O God. How long will I take counsel? But you know what happens? There's a shift. And he says, But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord. I want David is saying, I want to make sure that my last words I speak to God are not negative. They're not blaming God. They're not questioning God. They're not saying, I'm going to give up on you, God. I may not understand, but I want to make sure my confession is that I've trusted in your mercy. My heart shall see thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully. You started it, Lord. You've got to finish it. You put a desire in my heart. I didn't. Why are you at this church today, friend? I want to ask you that question. Think just for a moment. Why are you even serving the Lord? Did it have anything to do with you? Was it because you sought God? Was it because that you had some good desire because of some good human moral uh, thing about you? No, it had nothing to do with that. The only reason you're here is because of grace. The only reason you're here is because God put a little thought down inside of your heart because you heard the Word of God and something inside you believed that Word. And now you find yourself here. Why are you a believer? It's not because intellectually you're smarter than somebody else or you figured it out for yourself, but because God put something down on the inside of you and you just responded to what God put in your heart. That's the only reason you're here. Why do you serve the Lord? Why do you serve the Lord? Why are you still here after this many years? Why are you still here serving the Lord? Why are you still raising your hands? Why are you still worshiping the Lord after all you've went through? You should have been written off a long time ago. You should have given up a long time ago. Why are you still a believer? Because God has called me. And the same one who called me is the same one who keeps me. And the same one who keeps me is the same one who will finish the work that He started. And I can say to God today, Lord, you're the one who called me. You're the one who chose me. You're the one who sanctified me. You're the one who filled me with your spirit. So, Lord, it'll take you to finish what you've started. And I'm going to trust you in spite of what I can't see, in spite of my entire life, when it doesn't make sense. Could you bow your head with me here this morning? Musicians, could you return Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, put this upon my heart. I know it was for somebody here. And I just want to say to you this morning, trust God in the middle. Trust God in the middle. When it doesn't make sense, Joseph. When it doesn't make sense, Job. When it didn't make any sense, David. Oh, you were anointed. You were anointed king. You're going to be king. 
God's going to bring you. He's going to perform His Word. He's going to bring you to what He called you to, to what He ordained you to. God will keep His own Word. Just stay faithful to Jesus. Just keep your head up. Just don't, don't, don't give up. Keep, in spite of what you feel, in spite of what your prayer, your petition, or how long you've been praying. Maybe you could raise a hand today and say, I've trusted in thy mercy, O Lord. I've trusted in your promise. Play something for me, Brother Matthew Salford. I've trusted in your promise. And you're a promise keeper. You're a man of your word. You're faithful to your promises. Brother Adam said he's bound to his word. He's bound to what he promised, to what he said. It's his, it's his covenant. It's his word. You can rest this morning that in all of it, in spite of the prison, in spite of the cave, in spite of the pit, in spite of the darkest places of your life when it feels like that God's not speaking and there's a silence, God does some of his greatest work, some of his greatest surgery in that moment where it just feels like he's so far away. There's a tender hand. There's a hand of a potter doing a work on his wheel. Could you accept that? Stand to your feet. Raise your hands and say, Lord, I accept that this morning. I accept your word. It's for me. I believe it. I'm a believer. Oh, I might question myself sometimes, Lord. I'm raising my hands today to say, Lord, I consider myself and it seems impossible. But I've not trusted in myself. I've not trusted in my ability. I've not trusted in my word. I can't even look at my record. I can't look at how faithful or unfaithful or how many times I've kept my promises to you. Lord, when I look at that, it's an abysmal record. When I look at myself, I get like Moses. Lord, are you sure? I get like David. Are you positive? Lord, have you made the right choice? Have you really seen me? But hear the voice of the Lord when he speaks. He says, oh, child, I've seen you. I called you. I've seen you. I've seen the beginning. I can see your end. I can see when you cross the finish line. And I've already planned everything in between. I've already planned everything in the middle. It may not make sense right now. It might not have made sense to Job in his life. Oh, but when he's seen his Redeemer, when he's seen the, 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 the when he's seen the Lord Jesus, when he's seen his Redeemer, everything. All of his sorrow was gone. All of his tears were gone. All of his sadness was turned to joy. It all made sense then. And let me say to you, friends, one day it will all make sense. One day God will untangle all of those knots in your spirit and your mind that you've tried to untangle your whole life. (laughs) And you many times... Like David could try to hew out a, try to carve out a path of your own when it, David tried to just settle for something. God's telling you today, don't settle, child. Don't stop there. Don't settle for, don't settle for Ziklag. I'm going to give you the whole kingdom. You just got to stay patient. You got to stay patient with me. Oh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk 
and not faint. I'm a believer, Lord. I raise my hands today with these people and say, Lord, I'm a believer. I believe it with every part of me, Lord Jesus. Give us strength, Lord. Give us wisdom to hold on, to not give up, to not not slow down, not to sit down. to sing as David did. David said, I have trusted in thy mercy. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Oh, in my darkest moment, David could say, but I will rejoice. I may not feel like it now, but I know what my end will be. I may not see it right now. It may not make sense right now, but I'm holding on to the promise. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let the devil take it from me. I'm not going to let him steal it. I'm going to clinch it. I'm going to grab a hold of the promise of God. And I'm not letting go, Lord. I'm not letting go. And tomorrow I'll still be here. Next year I'll still be here. How long? Oh, God, until, until I can say like Job, I see my Redeemer. I can see the promise that He made me. I can see the fulfillment of it, Lord, when I'm on the other side. All tears will be wiped away. All sorrow will vanish. All wrongs will be made right. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We look for that day. In Jesus' name. I have a maker. He formed formed my heart. He He formed even time.
Is that your prayer? Say, Lord, give me Jesus. You can take all of this world, but 
just give me Jesus. In the morning wind. God bless you. third verse again sorry second verse and I want to sing it when I feel alone because sometimes like brother Matt was saying up here we know where God started us and over here we know where we're going to end up but sometimes in the middle we feel alone but we're not amen I enjoy that to remember he's called us he knows exactly what he has for us even though in the middle, I know I felt that way lots of times. I feel alone, amen, but we're not, amen. I appreciate that so much this morning. If you could sing that with me, when I feel alone. When I feel alone, yes, when I feel alone, oh, when I Father, that brings the word to us, Lord. 
so that you can help us, Father, to know that you're real and that you can help us know, Father, what we knew, Father, and the encouragement we need, Father, to live better, to live closer to you, Father. And Lord, we just thank you so much this morning for bringing our brother Matt, Lord. We ask that you'll give him strength, Lord, and encouragement, Father. Lord, we ask that you'll be with our pastor, Father. Lord, we give, ask that you'll give him strength as he's taking some time off to relax, Father. Lord, we ask that you'll bless him and his family. Lord, we ask that you'll be with us this week, Father. And Lord, may we be able to feed off this word, Father, as we go through our trials that we will definitely have this week or our obstacles, Father. Lord, that we'll be able to remember, Lord, you're with us at the beginning. You're with us at the end, as we know. But Father, you're with us now in the middle, Lord. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. We so appreciate that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that course again as you're dismissed. Give me Jesus.